Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hi, on episode seven today, we're going to take you a little bit outside the realm of lean, even though if you think about it, lean applies to everything if you know how to look at it through the right lens. And I happen to have an opportunity to look at lean through the lens of a Rubik's Cube. My grandson picked up the Rubik's Cube last year. He was 12 years old. He just now turned 13. And he entered a Rubik's Cube contest down in Tucson, Arizona, back in December, this past December, 2022. And his record for the 3x3x3 Rubik's Cube is 12.5 seconds. And you might say, wow, that's incredible. And it is incredible because I'm still working on trying to get it done. But the world record is 3.47 seconds held by some guy in China. But at this particular Rubik's Cube tournament in Tucson, was the world record holder in 10 different Rubik's Cube categories. His name is Max Park. As a matter of fact, Netflix did a uh, documentary on Max Park called The Speed Cubers. And he is by far the world's best, although right now he doesn't hold the 3x3x3 single world record. He's about a second and a half off from that, and I'm sure that really bothers him. And it won't surprise me anytime when I see he just beat that record. But anyway, Max Park holds 10 different world records, the 4x4x4, the 5x5x5, there's a 6x6x6, there's a 7x7x7, there's even a 3x3x3 one-handed, and he could do that basically in 6.2 seconds. So, you know, don't even ask me how he does it, but the guy's just absolutely amazing. Now, when I was at this two-day tournament, I obviously went to see my grandson compete, And it was a lot of fun. There were about 150 participants. And of the 150 participants, Max Park stood out not only when he was competing, but when he was away from what they call the solve. A solve is what they call a time trial of, you know, doing the Rubik's Cube, actually assembling the Rubik's Cube. And there's a whole protocol as to how they do it and a standard and all that. So it's fair. And they all start off from the same spot and all that. But anyway... Max Park, my my grandson was like thrilled that he was going to be there. And he got his picture taken with him. He got his autograph. And, you know, the guy is just truly special (laughs) to be able to do what he does with the Rubik's Cube. Anyway, Max Park, all of his tournaments so far, he has 401 first place finishes, 27 second place finishes, and three seventh place finishes. We want to think about a gold, silver, and bronze star level. And that's of December, 2022. And so everybody was there, you know, kind of watching Max. You know, he's a kind of like a cult hero in that Rubik's Cube space. But I couldn't keep my eyes off the guy, not only when he was competing, but it's more, more likely when he was away from the solve and what he did then versus all the other kids, okay, including my grandson. And so, you know, when I saw Max Park not compete, I was intrigued. I've never saw Max without a Rubik's Cube in his hand. And he sometimes was solving it without even looking at it. I don't know how he does it, but the only time he didn't have a Rubik's Cube in his hand was 
when he was signing autographs or posing for a picture. But I'll tell you right now, once he was done with that autograph or that picture, and he was very pleasant, smiled, very gracious, he went right back to solving his Rubik's Cube. Okay. And again, he had rigor. He had discipline. He had consistency. Does that sound familiar from a lean perspective? Does that sound familiar as to why you need all those things in order to succeed in lean? I mean, you know, you could put all the standard work you want in place, but if you don't have the fundamental, you know, purpose and discipline to to follow it, then you might as well not even waste your time because all you did is create a bunch of wallpaper. Max was just unbelievably in this unbelievable in this respect. Now, you know, the old notion that practice makes perfect. Yeah. Okay. Max is always practicing, right? But I think you need to think about it. Perfect practice makes perfect. And uh, let's take my golf swing for a while. I can go out and practice all I want. But if I am swinging the club the wrong way, I'm going to reinforce in my muscle memory a wrong way to, to hit the ball. And uh, so that's not going to be any good. I could practice for hours and it won't matter. So you have to practice the right way. Now, how did Max do this? First of all, he created a competition level environment at his table when he wasn't in competition, when he wasn't in a solve. He basically had a the official stopwatch type of timer that they use uh, for the competition. He had all of the things, and I'll talk more about this in a minute, that he would have when he would do a solve. And he was incredible. And then when he would actually practice, he would record his times. He had his key performance indicators, KPIs. He would record his times. And sometimes you could see on his face, he would just shake his head and he wasn't happy. And he'd go back and do it again, right? And do it again and do it again and do it again. I never saw this kid, you know, waste any time whatsoever, except for when he, you know, was extremely polite and gracious to his fans. And I give the guy a lot of credit in that, re in that regard. So let's look at what Max did from a process perspective that most, almost all other contestants did not do. First, he had a hand towel to dry his hands right before he was going to, you know, enter a solve. He then had earplugs to cut out distractions, Okay. Because it's noisy and people are cheering and you hear all people, you know, all kinds of things going on. He had earplugs, which is pretty interesting. Right before he was about ready to pick up the cube and enter into a solve, he had a rosin bag. A rosin bag. Remember pictures in the old days used to have rosin bags and bowlers had rosin bags to kind of put a little bit more grip on your fingertips. He had a rosin bag. Nobody else had a rosin bag. And uh, he had his performances filmed. His mom there, his mom was filming every single one of his performances so he can analyze it later. And, you know, it's like watching a game tape, right? This kid was serious. This kid was serious about his trade and his craft. And it was easy to see why he was the best. Now, he would also warm up with a cube that was similar, or not similar, but warm up with a cube that was the same type of cube that he was going to compete in in the solve. So if he's doing a three by three by three, that's what he's warming up with. I asked one of the other competitors that was a good friend of Max that was, by, by the way, he was, he was a pretty darn good cuber himself, but not as good as Max. Hey, how come you 
when you're doing the four by four by four, you're not, you don't have a three by three by three like Max does. He goes, boy, you know, that's a really good question. So he was actually competing into another category and still using the three by three to warm up. So, so, and he said to me, he actually said, geez, I never even thought about that. You know, never even noticed that my friend Max has the right cube for the right solve. Okay. Sounds simple, right? But these are the kind of, you know, attention to detail things that matter if you're going to shave off two tenths of a second, right? On, on, on something like this. He would then, so here's his, here's your standard work. He'd warm up with a cube as he's sitting there waiting for the contest, to, for the judge to bring over his unsolved cube because they all get unsolved the same exact way. So everybody has a starting point that's exactly the same. He would then put this warm-up cube down, wipe his hands on his towel, then rub his hands on the rosin bag, and he'd observe the competition cube in the same manner as anybody else. And then he placed the cube down in the designated spot. He would always close his eyes and focus and take a deep breath and get ready for the next couple of seconds that it's going to take him to solve the Rubik's Cube. So it was just incredible to watch. Now, let's get into a little bit of standard work here and actually look at the wasted motion that he might have had in his movement. He didn't have hardly any wasted motion. As a matter of fact, I noticed most of the contestants, if not all, when the cube was on the table and you have to pick it up to start solving it, I noticed that they would pick it up and bring it to a comfortable level, then start solving the cube. And they would do the same thing when they go put it down. When they put it down, they finish it, maybe, you know, six inches above the table, then put it down. Well, this actually takes time. A tenth of a second here, a tenth of a second there. So this takes time to do. Max picked up the cube, and as he touched it, he started solving it right away. He didn't waste any time bringing it with that wasted motion up to his level, right? And then he would solve it as he's putting it down so there was no wasted motion there. He's the only guy that did that. Incredible, okay? And when you're talking 3.4, 4 seconds, 5 seconds, this all makes a big matter of a difference. If you're up in the 40, 50 second mark, it maybe doesn't matter all that much. But this is what makes this guy good. So I noticed that from a motion perspective and a wasted motion perspective, how he did that. So it was an absolute joy to watch this guy. And probably the biggest thing I would have to say is that the respect for people principle was very important to him because when my grandson went over and got his picture with him and so did other people, he was gracious. He smiled. He shook their hand. He was a very, very, very nice individual. But he was a serious individual. And when he got done with that, he went right back. He didn't waste any time. He went right back to the solve at his table to practice and continue on his journey. So he had a good sense about him in terms of his fan base and that there was something maybe a little bit more important than the Rubik's Cube and his world records. And that is his relationship with his fans and the people that, you know, really admired him. So I give him a lot of respect in that case, you know. When you look at some of the greats, and I'm going to go back to my time with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and people like that, everybody says, well, geez, they were the guys that practiced the most. Everybody says, well, why is Michael Jordan and Larry Bird practicing more than anybody else on the team? They get there early, they stay late. Well, maybe they're the greatest because they do that. You ever stop to think about that? 
they were the greatest in that regard. So I think I saw a lot of that in Max Park as to that. And there is a difference between being a competitive company and a world-class company, right? And so many companies I run into have the, don't have Max Park's DNA in terms of excellence. They think they do, but they just don't. So I couldn't help but think that instead of going to Japan or benchmarking all these other companies, maybe CEOs of this world, and you can hear my dog in the back, maybe CEOs in this world should actually go see Max Park com com compete in a Rubik's Cube. They can learn a lot from Max Park. And as Yogi Bear once said in a baseball uh, setting, you can observe a lot just by watching. Thank you very much. I'm Mark Deluzio. Hopefully this was helpful because looking at this from a lean perspective, I think is sometimes taking it out of our traditional space and applying it to real life situations is always a lot of fun. So thanks a lot. Mark Deluzio, CEO, president of Lean Horizons Consulting and the principal architect of the Danaher Business System. I hope you enjoyed this segment and I challenge you to start looking at lean, non-business related things like this in your everyday life. I'm going to do a session on McDonald's in, in, in one of the future episodes in terms of how we look at McDonald's from a lean perspective. And that's something I think most of us can relate to. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lean 911 podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at lean911.com. You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark Deluzio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>